Hey everybody, welcome to No One Told Me, where we believe hindsight is everything. My name is Callie, and I'm so happy to have you here on this Valentine's Day release. I never know if I should actually say it's a Valentine's Day release, because what if, what if you're listening to this in March? Does it matter? If you are, happy March. I don't know, maybe I should do every month now. I don't know. See, these are the rabbit trails we go down. We gotta back out. We've gotta back out. Hey, I'm really excited because about once a year, I can convince my husband, Ryan, to jump on an episode. Um, In describing our relationship, everyone is most surprised by how opposite we are. So I always describe it like, hey, if we're at a social gathering, if we're at a party, uh, you might see me out and about talking. If you want to know where Ryan is, look for a wall. He's probably standing against it, like just looking for the exit. And it's it usually is the wall closest to the exit most days or most times. So um, getting him on here once a year is the best I can do. But is there a better day than Valentine's to have him on here? I don't think so. I just don't think there is. Um, so uh, last week, I asked you all for any questions you might have um, on at NOTM podcast on Instagram. I said, hey, we're in the middle of our realities of relationship series with it being Valentine's Day. Ryan's going to jump on any relationship questions, any questions specifically for us, send them our way. And you did. Um, so we picked out a handful of them and we're, we're going to answer them today for you. I hope that they bring you value no matter what season that you're in. And more than anything, as always, I hope you are better after you push play. We're discussing uh, mic etiquette just real quick. So the guest today on Valentine's Day, as it should be, is my husband of 10 years, Ryan Bernard Holland. How do you feel about the middle name getting thrown in there? I feel so official. (laughs) I feel like I'm an official guest now. (laughs) I don't know why it happened, but it feels hindsight. It feels right like it needed to happen. And this is about hindsight. (laughs) See, full circle. If I listen to the episodes. Well, you have to because you edit them. So I don't know if you would otherwise. You would. Yes, you, I would. You I would. would. That yeah. wasn't fair. But we were just discussing Mike etiquette. And he's holding it so far away from his face. And I want him to hold it close so he can just jump in fast. When I he can needs jump to. in fast. I don't want people to hear me breathe. <laughs> like just sit here and breathe. So I hold it away from my mouth. Are you a heavy breather? I feel like I might be if I have a mic in front of my face. I don't know. <laughs> if you've listened to past episodes with Ryan, you know that this is his favorite, favorite thing to do. I yes. don't I don't know if we have kept one recording so far. Like we usually have to do it twice because at a minimum. <laughs> either I don't hit record or you just you just don't love being in the spotlight, and so it's almost like you need no. one take to get the the jitters out a that, little bit. Yeah, that's true. I, I'll go with that. But I will also say it's my fault a little bit because I don't always prep you that well. I just say we're going to record an episode, and I'm going to ask you some questions, and don't actually tell you what the questions are. True. So you're a man of preparation. That's true. You like to know. You like to write down. You have your notebook sitting in front of you. I do. I wondered why you picked the smallest notebook that we have. It's the one that was the closest. So (laughs) this is the one that I chose. No real other reason than that. Are you used to explaining yourself in our marriage? I just always have a lot of questions. Yes. (laughs) So what we're going to do this round, because it is Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day to to yours and yours. How does it go? To you and yours? You and yours. I think. (laughs) Thank you. Always fill in those gaps for me, as always. Backstory, we started dating in high school, which if you are a high schooler listening to this, that is not normal. You very rarely marry the person you date in high school. 
So just don't get in the boat of thinking who you're dating right now is who you're going to marry because you might set yourself up for a little bit of disappointment, you know? So that's just kind of a disclaimer on that one. So met in high school, dated through college. Ryan was in Memphis. I was in Knoxville all through college. And then when he graduated, we got married and we're 10 years in. Yeah. The almost best. 11. I guess it is almost 11. It's getting close. I feel like we were just in Maine on our 10 year anniversary. Yeah. You want to know what's odd about that trip we took? I was a little nervous because we hadn't been gone, just the two of us, Yeah, for that amount of time. Nor in, that far. Nor that far in years. So like, it was going to be a lot of time in the car together. I mean, we flew there, but we were driving up yeah. and down the coast of Maine, right? And I, I don't know if I told you this. Maybe I did tell you this. I was nervous because I was like, I don't know if I remember how to just like have conversation, adult conversations <laughs> yeah. for long stretches of time. Just us being just the two of us. Like, I was a little nervous. Is this going to be different? Is it, how is it going to be different? Yeah, usually it's broken up by, you know, quieting the kids in the back, just very calmly quieting the kids. I don't know that you ever quiet the kids. You just continue on as if nothing's happening in the back while my anxiety raises. Yeah, I tried to. I don't know. <laughs> I just hear, mommy, mommy, mom, mommy, mommy. And you just carry, carry well, on. Because they're not talking to me. So I, I can carry on if I need to. <laughs> But if you, okay, if you think back to before we got married, 11 plus years, what did you think marriage would be like? So I think going into it, I don't think you really think, I wonder how this is going to be, right? You don't really say that to yourself, but I think I had it in my mind that it was just going to be like more dating, except we lived together, right? We wouldn't have to do that awkward, well, I got to be home by 11 kind of thing, you know? So I think it would, I had the feeling that it was just going to be more dating, like I said, and we just lived together. So I, I don't know that I ever thought, oh, what are our conversations about finance going to be and, and things like that. You know, I didn't really think of those things. And, and maybe part of that was because we had been dating for like six and a half years at that point. So that may have had some to do with it. But yeah, I didn't, I didn't give it a whole lot of thought because it just felt right. So yeah. Someone sent in a question and they said, you know, I've been dating this person for a long time. I'm kind of expecting a proposal. It hasn't happened. When do you know if it's the right time to get married or not? Oh, that's a good question. I mean, for us, it was more logical, right? I mean, it made sense to wait until I was done with school, right? You were done a year earlier. I still had a year left, so it, it didn't really make sense to do it before then. I think it's always hard. I always feel like the last person that needs to give dating advice because I dated so little. But what I do know is if you ever have to pressure someone, right? Like if you have to encourage them to take the next step or ask them to take the next step, that's a little bit of a flag of, okay, is he going to lead in this relationship? Now, maybe there's other situations where it's not as weird, right? But I just feel like that is probably a red flag if you feel like you have to pressure him to propose to you. I just don't think that's the way you want want it to go, you know? Or either way. I mean, if if you're getting married because you feel like that's what should happen, not what is supposed to happen. Or people I, around you are saying right. you need to get married. I know we had a podcast guest maybe a year ago, Sarah, who's also now a No One Told Me contributor. And she said, everyone was telling me this guy was great and I should want to marry him. But I knew I didn't want to marry him. But the other option is, okay, if I don't want to marry him, then what if there's no one else for me? What if I'm kind of right. left on my own? And so you go into a little bit of, of fear instead of anything else. But how has your view of marriage changed? Like the second part of that question was, what did you think like it was before? 
But how has it changed now that we're 10 years in? Yeah, I think I think as we've gone on in our mar- marriage, we've had kids, we've had job changes, you know, moved houses, all, all of that stuff. I think you have to learn how to lead. And, and when I say that, I don't just mean lead in decision making and, and give you a suggestion on this is the best thing to do. I think it's more learning how to make decisions together and meaningful decisions together rather than just, you know, hanging out and trying to make it to the next day, actually figuring out, is this the best step for our family? Is this the direction we want to go for the future? So I think that's a little bit different than what I thought it was going to be, but I think that came with time. You know, it wasn't something that just overnight we started doing or I started doing. And so I think that comes with, I guess, experience in marriage. Well, I mean, truthfully, up until, you know, marriage and really adulthood, if we want to take it down another road, you are just making decisions by the seat of your pants, right? Like all before, even in college, you're like, I don't know, maybe that feels right. And you're rolling in at 18 with an advisor and they're like, what do you want? What do you want to do with your life? What's your, what's your track? What do you want to go on? And so you just pick one that seems like you might like it. Right. And then you switch it three or four times until you find something that you do like, but it seems like once you step into this, okay, now these decisions affect way more than just me. Now, now this decision affects you. And then when you have kids, okay, this decision now affects our kids and having to learn the sustainability of every decision, like every yes or every no are, what are we going to feel about this decision in three days, in three weeks, in three months, in three years? Like, what is this decision going to look like? Right. And I think that's where we were for probably the first year and a half or two years. You know, we were still, you know, what does it look like for me instead of what does it look like for us? I I think Mm -hmm. it's kind of where we were and it, it started to evolve over time to looking at the whole picture. Figuring out how to make decisions together was rough because I, in my professional life, I am a quick decision maker. I will make any decision laid in front of me pretty confidently. I mean, I mean, you say it's recklessly. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Lovingly. That is the, your favorite way to describe me is reckless. Would you, do you think that is what you would name a, like a biography? (laughs) Probably somewhere in that direction. Yeah. (laughs) He does. His favorite descriptor of me. He says, I am reckless, but I'm just, I'm a quick, I'm a snap decision maker, right? Like I'm not, there's not a, I'm being honest with you. There's not a whole lot of thought going into it. It's just like instincts, (laughs) instincts. What does your gut say? But I've always been that kind of decision maker. Professionally, I, I feel informed and capable of making decisions, right? But personally, in this, where you might not always have all the information, or sometimes you have to make a decision before you have all the information, I would lock up. I almost always lock up. And I'm like, I don't know. You decide. You decide. And I'll never forget. I think it was a couple years into marriage. And I would always just say, you decide. You decide. And you said, okay, you tell me to decide, but then you always question my decision. Right. Like, you cannot have it both ways. You're either (laughs) a part of the decision or you do not question me later. And so I I had to learn, like, even when it's uncomfortable, I have to press in. And have the conversations, even when it overwhelms me right. or whatever. And what that led to was a better understanding of how we both make decisions, yeah. like what we yeah. need to feel confident in a decision. Right. right. But as we, we've grown and learned and found out these things about each other, what role do you feel like? And this was a question that was turned in. What role do you feel like is most important for you to fill in our marriage and in our family? And how do you equip yourself to fill that role? Yeah, I, I think as we've gone on in our marriage, I think a better descriptor would be leading. I mean, I think I'll go back to that. And not only leading in, 
you know, the provision for our family, but also leading in all areas. And, and I think to to equip myself, I, I think really it goes to taking care of myself. I know that sounds kind of cheesy a little bit, but how can I expect our kids to grow up and want to be in a small group if I'm not in a small group, you know, and building a community around myself? So I, I think taking that leadership, taking care of myself, you know, kind of first to make sure I have a good foundation to lead from. I think that's the biggest, the biggest spot to to prepare yourself. Um, it's kind of like in an airplane when they say the oxygen mass drops down and they always say, put yours on first and then put the person, help someone else with theirs or put your child's on or whatever else. And I think, you know, you made a good point. It's, it, how can you expect it out of anyone else, specifically our kids or me, if you're not illustrating it, if right. you're not serving as an example right. in it? And I would say even, you know, you talked about the leadership, but it's it's creating the space. You've always been so great about creating space in our lives for growth, because I don't think like that. I'm not thinking of like, how do we create space? I'm thinking how we fill space. You know, I'm always like, yes, we'll do that. And then we'll go do this. But you've always been so great about creating space for that growth of like seeing ahead of what you want us to grow toward. You know, you and I having conversations of, okay, what does this look like? What do we want? What do we want our kids to be like? What do we want to be like in yeah. five years? You know, what what do we want our kids to carry with them? Okay, how do we create the space for them to grow into that, for us to grow into that? Right. And for you, especially after the year that we've had, I'm grateful that you created growth for me to find some stability, for me to get my feet under me, you created the space for that to happen. And I think that's an important way that you have led over the over the past probably five, five to seven years of, okay, how do we create the space for the growth we want? What does that look like? Not just financially, but spiritually and relationally. What are we saying yes to? And what do we really need to say no to, to continue to build that space? Right. I mean, I guess you think about it maybe in terms of what does a great manager look like? I mean, you know, you don't want to equate necessarily all of your life to business, but, you know, a great manager would provide direction. They would kind of walk the walk, right? Provide opportunities, for example, for their employees to grow. And and I think that's that's the goal. Do I always do a good job of that? No, but that's the goal. And that's kind of where you want to get to with your family, right? Is, is to you just, kind of provide that. Did you just call me an employee? No. A little bit. No. Yeah, a little bit. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm almost positive. You just, do you want me to, you know, like. It was an analogy. Do I need to wear a name tag in the house? <laughs> like, hi, my name is Sally. I've got those clip-ons. I'll start, I'll start saying, it's my pleasure. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Thank you. But over the last year, you know, I would say specifically, without question, you were closest to just the difficulty of it. And I think you, you saw me in ways you had never seen me before, like just like in hard places. Cause I'm usually yeah. a pretty upbeat, like all systems go, we're just running as fast as we can right? in a direction. And this past year, year and a half, it was a lot slower and it was a lot deeper and it was a whole lot darker. And yeah. so you had the closest look at what that was like. So how, how has our relationship shifted? Over the past year, you know, the question that was posed and I took it a little further was just in all the big decisions that you made over the past year, how did Ryan walk with you? What did that look like? So what, how did our relationship shift and and what are some of our biggest growth points within that? Yeah, I think, and not that we didn't know how to communicate before, we really had to learn how to communicate. You know, thinking back 
to the previous nine years, nine and a half years or whatever of marriage, I don't think we had gone through a decision like that. I mean, we had gone through big decisions. Do we buy this house or do we not buy this house? I mean, that's not anything to take lightly, but nothing to the magnitude of, you know, you feel a calling and now you're feeling potentially a a different calling. Is that the right way to go or not? To add to that, where we were comfortable and comfort is always, always hard to go away from, whether you feel that it's the best decision or not. And so I think we had to really learn how to communicate with that. And this is kind of part of the the second part of that question, our growth points. We really had to learn how to, and fortunately we had some experience with this, but had to learn how to go away, you know, pray about things, kind of reconcile it in our own minds, and then come back and have that conversation. You know, we, we had those four years when I was away at school, we we always talk about we would never do it any differently because we had to do that same thing. We had to learn how to communicate. We had to learn how to grow personally before we grew together. And so we had a little bit of practice with that. But I think since we had been married, we never had a big decision that was like going to change, you know, the course of our, our family's path based on the decision. And so I think that was the biggest growth point was really understanding and knowing the only thing that's going to help is going to the Lord with it. I mean, I I really think there's no other way um, that we would have made it through that or made the right decision without doing that. So I think learning, we, we each needed time individually and then essentially forcing ourselves to get better and have that communication together. I think that's uh, probably the biggest thing over the past year. I literally remember waking up. So Ryan gets up at what? 4.30? Yeah. 4.30. He has to be at work by 5.30? Right. Something like that. Anyways, very early mornings. A lot of times he's out of the house and I don't see him or talk to him before he's out of the house. Like I might, he's almost always gone by the time my alarm goes off. Right. And I would call him like every morning. Okay. Did you pray about it? Well, what, what do you think? What do you yeah. What do you think? Like I was like, yeah. God's not telling me anything. Is he telling you something? Like maybe he's <laughs> right. maybe he's going to tell you first before right. he tells me. Maybe maybe that guidance will come through you. And I would call almost every morning and be like, "Well, where are you at? How do you feel about it? What do you think?" And the answer almost always was, "We're still figuring it out. Yeah. We still. I don't have. I'm not settled. I don't have a settled heart." But on the flip side, you never pressured me into a decision either. Right? right? Like you right. were never. Okay, I'm tired of this, right? Let me just make this decision for you. Let me just tell yeah. you what, because that would have been the easier way out. And just a little backstory last year, I uh, quit my job. So it was a decision that affected me personally in very deep, deep ways. It affected, uh, affected Ryan because it affected me. And then it affected our family. It affected yeah. every part of our life. It was the first decision we made that quite literally impacted every single part of our lives. And so, all that to say, no wonder. I mean, it was months, months of praying through it and me calling yeah. almost every day. It's yeah. like, well, what do you, what do you think? What did, what did God say to you? Yeah. <laughs> I, I was always hopeful that you were going to have an answer, but almost, almost always it was a little bit of a breath of fresh air. Like, oh, thank goodness. I didn't have clarity on that either, you know? <laughs> so yeah, yeah, it was, it was months and months of that. When, when we were trying to work through it, I'm trying to think through for our own, cause I'm thinking if I was listening, what would my next question be about that? And I think it would be, how did, 
we not just get frustrated with each other. You frustrated with me. And I mean, there were times of that. I'm not at all. Sure. Yeah. I'm not going to act like we do. <laughs> I, I am not a very frustrating person. He is a very frustrating person. Right. I think you can. Yeah. <laughs> Probably can tell that. (laughs) (laughs) If you had to guess who was the more frustrating person between the two of us, most definitely not myself. But I was frustrated with myself of, I don't want us to sit in this. I'm I'm tired of sitting in this. But what it almost always would bring out was like just a tightness, right? Like just feeling like you're wound tight and at times snapping and leading to just the dumbest of arguments or the dumbest of (laughs) of fights. And it wasn't what the actual issue was. It was much deeper of the tension of an unmade decision. Like, you know, the tension and the ring you wear around your neck that just weighs your head down and keeps your eyes down where you can't see clearly anything else. And so for our communication to grow through that, what do you think were the growth points specifically with our communication and how did we, how did we talk through our decisions? Yeah, I, I think you almost said it right there was th- there were times where I wasn't necessarily praying. And this is wrong, but I wasn't necessarily praying for the right decision. I was praying for a decision. <laughs> Let's just make a decision and move on with it, you know, and and that's not the right way to go. Right. I mean, you want to pray for what does he have next for you? Not let me just get out of this hard space. And so I really had personally, I had to battle with that in that, you know, I would get frustrated because you weren't, I'll say you weren't, you weren't making a decision or whatever, but then I could see that you were frustrated at yourself. So then I would feel bad for being frustrated at you, even though you were, you know, (laughs) and so it was kind of this constant back and forth. But I think that was maybe one of the most important takeaways that I had was just a reminder that he's going to be faithful. No matter what, no matter how long it takes, he's going to be faithful. And you can't shortchange that. You know, you can't pray yourself into a decision just to make a decision. You need to focus on praying for the right decision and the clarity um, and the peace that comes with that. So, yeah, I think that was just praying for the right decision. Is the yeah. Thing. Wow. But when it came to, because I learned a lot about prayer life in that and what yeah. he can do to provide for you within prayer just alone and the closeness that comes that only that kind of discomfort only that kind of uncertainty only that kind of frustration brings a closeness that's really hard to get any other way right because we there wasn't another option it was i know there's that you're doing a work here and i don't know what the work is and i don't know what it's going to look like the end result but i know you're doing something so i have to sit here and wait while you do it. But part of it is actively being involved in conversations with with the Lord about what that looks like and with and with you. And I think those conversations, the combination of those two things grew our marriage. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. And in brand new ways, the trust that we had to have between each other that we're going to get to the bottom of it, even when we're tired of trying to get to the bottom of it. Yeah. And then when the decisions made the support that came with that of, okay, I remember you, I just remembered this, but like my first day, my last day was a Sunday. So the next day was going to be my first day. Just like, I wasn't waking up to go anywhere. Like yeah, my first day ever, you know, since I was 19, I wasn't, I mean, outside of like maternity leaves, which then you're waking up for a whole other reason. But like my first day, not waking up 
with any kind of responsibility outside of the home and you are home. And I thought, well, what are you doing home? And you said, oh, I just took the week off. Like, I didn't know what you would need. And so yeah. I'm going to cry just talking about it. I forgot about I that. that. <laughs> <laughs> but that just was the level of support. It's not that you haven't shown that kind of support before. It's that I I always wanted to be the giver in those circumstances. I didn't yeah. want to need support. Right. I didn't want to right. need it. No one wants to need support, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. And here I was needing it and a lot right. of it. And right. seeing you fill that gap in a new way, I think, just took our our relationship deeper than it had been. But another question, which I'm very interested in how you will answer, how is the Cali of 2022 different from the Cali of 2012? I wrote down, you care less, but you care more. And and what I mean by that, I I know at the beginning, especially, and and I think everyone's like this, at the beginning of your professional career, we'll call it that, that stage of life, you really care about what people think. And in some ways you almost have to a little bit, because you're trying to make your way, you're trying to understand who you are, so you're looking for any way to to validate that or to to find that out. But what I've seen there there's been kind of this shift in that you don't care as much now about what people say or think, but you care more about people. And I think it's it's slowly, you know, it hasn't been like an overnight just a flip, you know, switch or anything like that. But over time, it's just been, you know, it doesn't matter what, what people say or think I'm going to do what Jesus has called me to do. I'm going to do that for people at whatever cost essentially. And so I think that's really the biggest thing aside from the funnier thing. I think that's really the biggest, biggest shift I've seen in you. I think that also though speaks to the, the space you created for the growth. You know, you created this space where if I'm like, Hey, I'm going to go do this and meet someone for coffee or I'm going to, you know, one of my biggest commitments was when people reach out, I say yes, like just for like a conversation or just for some encouragement, I'm going to say yes to that. Like I'm going to step into that with you. Right. And you, you created the space for that kind of growth to happen Um, for it, whether it's keeping the kids, whether it's, you know, financially having the ability to go out and spend time with people if we want to get coffee or whether it's I'm on the phone with somebody and you're distracting the kids and I'm locked away in like the deepest, darkest part of the house so that they can't <laughs> yeah. with like four doors between me and them. A lot of that. And I just think that's one of the greatest things you can do for your spouse is help them create the space for growth, like partner with yeah. them and what that can look like and how you can build that out with them and believing in in what they feel they're made to do, feel like in this season is their assignment to do believing in that with them, you know, and saying, how can I, how can I help create space for that to happen? What does that look like? Cause sometimes you can see it before they can. Oh yeah. Without a doubt. Right. Like you, you could see it before. We had a lot of questions about kids, but most of them were one, how do you know when it's time to have kids? And two, how do kids shift, shift your marriage? Like how does it change what your marriage looks like? I, I, we're I not good with that first question. I don't know about the time to have kids. You know, I know some people kind of get to the point where they're ready. We didn't have that, really. And we actually thought we couldn't. And surprise, surprise, it Here happened. Yeah. Two, two later, it's uh, like we didn't know how it worked. So, but to yeah. our defense, we were told <laughs> that it was going to be very difficult and yeah. probably wouldn't happen. So yeah. that's that's our defense. But what about, okay, we have, how how have they shifted our relationship? Yeah, I'll start off. Sometimes it causes stress, right? I mean, just because it's chaotic at times, you've got more 
people, more personalities. It's also really fun, but specifically for us, and I know you use this world all the time, so you'll be very proud of me. We have to be more intentional, especially when it comes to our marriage with kids. Our kids are just now getting to the age where they're involved in things, dance, baseball, basketball, all of that stuff. Even before that, it's like, I don't know where the time goes. What are we even doing that's taking up this time? And so you have to be intentional to have time for conversations. One of our favorite things is going to get coffee and then just driving around. They're trapped in a car seat. They can't go anywhere other than hollering for you the whole time. You give them a donut and you keep rolling. (laughs) That's right. But those are some of our best conversations that we have just because we kind of manufacture that time, I guess. And, and it, you know, it doesn't stop there. You have to continue to kind of be intentional, build that time in for your marriage. Otherwise, if you're not intentional about it, it's not just going to happen. It's not just going to come. So I think that's the biggest thing is is we've had to be smarter with our time and, and really focused on each other at times. I think I realized you know, they're not, our kids are not going to be concerned with the health of our relationship, but the health of our relationship will be one of the greatest impactors of who they are. The health of our relationship will be one of the greatest shapers, one of the greatest builders of who they are. Yeah. And so it's balancing that, right? And so what does that look like? Because like you said, we have to manufacture the time. And sometimes I'm just so tired. Like, yeah, you know, I don't, there are times we were literally, we might go the whole day without looking each other dead in the eye and having a real conversation. Yeah. Right. Because it's like, you're just putting out fires. You walk in the door, you're putting out fires. That's all you're doing. And so I do think Don Wilson, who's been on here several times, he has told me over and over again, over the years that the order there's, you know, like an order to think about life. Right. And it's your relationship with Jesus, your relationship with your spouse, your relationship with your kids or your kids and then your job. Like that's the order things are supposed to flow from. Right. And I remember our pastor saying years ago, whenever his kids are like, Hey, who's your favorite? He always says his wife. And then he just explains like, she has to be my favorite because that that's how you all are going to know you're okay. That's how you all are going to know you're loved. That's how you all are going to know you're valued. And so I've just, I've thought about those words a whole lot because I grew up without a really healthy relationship to look at for marriage, right? And God's grace and kindness and provision put people in my life who showed me what healthy marriages look yeah. like, who showed me what this is supposed to look like. And so it's always, a, it's a big deal to me that we show them, okay, this is how you treat a spouse. This is how you build a healthy home. This is how you lead a family. I just want them to see that and know that because it will so hugely impact who they are. Yeah. And it's not always easy. I mean, uh, you know, we can, we can say, here's what we like to do and here's kind of our goal. It's, it's hard sometimes, especially when it is chaotic and, you know, they're running around like crazy. It's hard. It's hard to be that way. But yeah, I think. But it is that additional time, like you said. I mean, that's a Saturday morning thing we do where we, we go get coffee and we drive around the, all the little neighborhoods we love and we just talk about the week. And sometimes that's the longest conversation we have all week, but it's still a specific intentional time where we're going to have a conversation that's about us. That's about the future. That's about what are we working on? What are we excited about? What are we, you know, how do we want to spend our day? Do we just want to rest? Do we just want to hang out? And I mean, it's, it's usually the time you tell me like, we've been around too many people lately. Can we just not? (laughs) (laughs) That's usually the first thing I say. Okay. Last thing for someone in their first few years of marriage. What is your advice? 
to the husband. Yeah, I, I think maybe just figure out the direction. So if you can, it sounds cheesy again, if you can put yourself five years out, what do you want the trajectory of your marriage, your family, all of that to be, and then start building that around you? I mean, you know, I think, it, like I said earlier, it starts with taking care of the things that you need to take care of, having that relationship with Jesus, spending time consistently, getting in a small group, having some type of community outside of your marriage and your family, I think is really important. You know, strangely enough, that can possibly be the most healthy, healthy thing for your family. So once you build kind of all of that foundation, the trajectory should come, you know, fairly, fairly easily from there. That's uh, one of the best pieces of advice. Uh, a friend of mine, Amanda Hurley, her and her husband, Jimmy, did an episode, I think last year on marriage. But she always said to me, start out as you mean to go. Yeah. So but the thing about that, but what she meant was how you want your relationship to be, start acting that way now. So, you know, for example, you come in with high expectations that first year, first year of marriage, right? You're like, I'm yeah. going to make dinner every single night. The house is always going to be spotless. Laundry is always going to be done by a certain time. You create these rules and these right. expectations and you're like, I cannot maintain these. So her whole thing is start out as you mean to go. But it's so funny because that same piece of advice applied a few weeks ago when we were making another big decision. Yeah. And it was, if I, if, if I want to start out as I mean to go, I don't want to start out like this because I don't mean to go like this. Right. And I will also say off that I thought about, and and you can agree or disagree, but the one huge decision last year, I feel like all decisions after have been a little easier. Yeah, I think so. Haven't yeah. they? I mean, yeah. like that one was huge and painstaking and like months of prayer yeah. and conversations, but all the big decisions, because there've been probably three more since then right. in this new season. And we've been on the same page. We've been able to make them fairly quickly with confidence in where God was leading us. Right? I mean, I just, I feel like it's been I a think so. Easier. Yeah. I, I think it, it, it hasn't necessarily been easy. Yeah. But the clarity has come pretty quickly. Yeah. I think. Yeah, I agree. You know, because you listen to every episode to edit it, we end it with one question. What is it you are so happy someone did tell you about? I'm ready. Someone told me about this thing called the 1718 series. You were ready. I was ready. It's based on Deuteronomy seventeen eighteen, and it basically talks about how they used to write out the scripture in order to learn it. And so basically these books are just set up, for example, you buy a book of the Bible and it comes as a book, and then it's just basically blank and has room for each of the verses, and you essentially just write out the verses. But what's cool about it, uh, it also, also has some, some questions to the side, but what's cool is it makes you kind of slow down and actually listen to what you're reading. I, I think I, I can get caught up in trying to read something as fast as possible to yep. get through it. This really makes you slow down. And there have been days where I've done three or four verses only, but I've gotten so much more out of those three or four verses than I would if I read three chapters. Uh -huh. So it's really cool. So it's called the 1718 series. That is. And it, it's pretty, I like that it also like cross references, right? Doesn't it? Right. It shows yeah. you like Old Testament, New Testament. Did you say that already? Uh, it has some questions off to the side, like one, one side of the page is just blank where you write out yeah. um, actual scripture. And then the other side actually has questions that go along with that specific piece of scripture. Hey, this wasn't so bad. You, wasn't bad. I think, I think cause I prepared you so well. Yeah, probably. Yeah. This Maybe. is the best I've been prepared before. <laughs>
to date. But you won't say I, I prepared you well because I threw in some curveball questions. This is the best I've been prepared to date. <laughs> hey, I love you and happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's this might be Day. the only time we say it to each other. I don't think so. <laughs>